You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Word to Jay Triano here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, you can follow our show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns and come hang out with us during games because uh, I'm retweeting, I'm tweeting, I'm, I'm, I'm making it a better experience, trust me, so follow over there. We are here, though, to talk about Game 2, a 104-103, one of, in my opinion, the best games in Suns history. And I guess that's a record that keeps being broken, but because I could not celebrate this one alone, Brandon is here again, filling in for a second time this week. He is at AZ Sports Zone on Twitter. You know that already, though. Brandon, we um, we have actually not been as immediate after the play as we had hoped because traffic downtown is a nightmare right now. But walk me through your immediate reaction as DeAndre Ayton won this game for the Suns out of nowhere and catapulted them to a 2-0 lead. The value the value down in history is just, you know, that's the play. And uh, I think all Suns fans were kind of DeAndre in the moment where we are all trying to figure out, like, did it count? Are the refs going to review this? Are they going to take this away too? Um, but also celebrating at the same time. Uh, just a very chaotic play and heart-wrenching uh, two-minute review, whatever it was, and uh, you said the traffic took you a while to get back, and um, I wonder if it took as long as the like final <laughs> 90 seconds of the the game, which ended up taking 33 minutes, uh, which is bananas. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was just an iconic play, and just when you don't, just when you think this Suns team can't get any more likable and easy to root for, they go out and do something like this. So it's um, truly a night that Suns fans are never going to forget. Like you're always going to remember where you were for that play. And um, yeah, had to come back on and, and talk. So I'm glad you had me on because I'm not going to be able to sleep anytime soon after that, even though it's a 11 PM here right now. No, it is one of, it was one of those plays and one of those games, frankly, where the, the niceties of the press box of the media area go out the window and we're all just reacting to everything. Like, it doesn't even matter what team you cover. If you're a fan of a team that happens to cover it, whatever it may be, we're all just along for the ride at that point. And there was a collective, um, like, holy crap, grab your grab your buddy next to you and just, like, take it in. And even even Aiton, um, like you said, the I watched the slow motion of it that's going around that shows Crowder the pass, how... Um, close it got to hitting the backboard and you're right Aiton is like not even willing to accept it himself and he said after the game he just didn't want to become um, basically a blooper I think is the word he, he didn't want to like start celebrating and then have it get called back because they weren't sure on the time and you know if if he got fouled or any of that stuff so he's like I just didn't even want to say anything um, but again, a 104-103 victory capped off by that DeAndre Ayton dunk on a baseline out-of-bounds play with 0.9 seconds left. We'll talk about that fourth quarter that, tuck, that took seemingly forever, and we'll talk about the rest of the good stuff that happened, and close the show talking about Chris Paul, potential that he could return for Game 3. Just another 
extra helping of good news on a night that is full of it for Suns fans. But first, folks, today's show is brought to you by Green Room by Spotify. Download the app and join us every single Friday afternoon to get in on the conversation. Locker Room, well, Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. They have not changed their name on the promotion, so bear with me there. Um, let's get into this game a little bit more, though, folks. Um, as you said, Brandon, this this took far longer than it needed to with all of the reviews, obviously. You come out on the right side of that, you feel pretty good, but I do think it's the story of this game. This this whole thing, though, really flipped to me when the Suns called a timeout with three minutes and nine seconds left, and sort of against all odds, nobody could make a shot for a couple minutes heading into it, and Monty draws up a play at the top of the key for Mikhail Bridges to get a three. He did not have much of a game. He was cold up to that point. That was his only three of the night, and Monty has the gall the 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 confidence whatever you want to say to call that play in that moment for bridges feeling comfortable that he could knock it down the suns take a six point lead and control of the game really um and we'll get into the rest of the craziness but what did you make of of that moment did you feel the same that it was sort of an inflection point how how did you think that the momentum kind of eventually came toward the suns yeah that was a huge shot and um like you said, just having the confidence in Mikel to shoot that um, when he's in the middle of a rough shooting night in that moment, you know, he hit the big shot and it ends up uh, giving them the momentum before the refs took over, as we had talked about, and the game became a replay review fest. But um, yeah, I think Mikel and Jay Crowder combined for seven points and uh, Booker had an off night and they found a way to win despite that. And it comes down to just you know, wanting to win, playing gritty basketball. And both these teams are, you know, they're built for these dog fights. So um, it's just a testament to the Suns uh, just being persistent and not giving up and uh, knowing, trusting the process, really. And, like, you know, Mikel's confidence, even that corner three for the win, he looked, yeah. he looked confident as hell shooting that. You just miss a shot. It's a good look. Um, you live with that. And luckily, you know, it bounce out, bounces out of bounds and sets up you know, the play that we started the show talking about. So, uh, yeah, the momentum kind of went back and forth throughout and uh, until, like I said, just the, the choppy, you know, replay reviews. Yeah, credit to both teams, I think, for leveling through that. Like, a lot of the time when those types of situations unfold in an NBA game, that both teams just are noticeably out of it. And this was not the case in this game at all. I felt like... We'd be sitting there for five minutes while the refs were at the table, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody just makes an unreal play, whether that was Booker at the elbow, the the shot that apparently he just can't help himself but make against this Clippers team, Paul George doing the same. Uh, any number of, of these shots were kind of completely cold. Nobody was able to keep their their hot streak or it wasn't that type of game at all. It was like a football game where it's like, okay, you know, hike the ball, go, go make a play. And then the next team's going to call timeout. We'll go back out there in five minutes. So, um, it, it was Scott Foster, Chris Paul's mortal enemy doing his darndest to screw things up here. And I think the game still stayed enjoyable because of the basketball that was being played. But what stands out for you in that fourth quarter, in that late game situation that, uh, eventually obviously ended with the Suns getting the win. It did not feel locked in at any point until Aiton slammed it in. I, I really feel like this game was up in the air. So what sticks out to you? 
Yeah, uh, it's just a testament to uh, this team, I think, and the coaching staff, just having them ready for, you know, a seesaw battle. Uh, you know, a game like this where every shot just feels so important and you're just kind of on the edge of your seat and, you know, the Booker mid-range jumper, then Paul George answers. And um, you, just, you just knew that the Clippers were not going to back down. Because all game long, it seemed like the Suns were trying to run away, going a little run, and the Clippers answered every single time. So, and, uh, you know, I think that kind of shows in their last two series just how they played. They're comfortable playing from behind, and even down 2-0, they're still saying they're confident. Um, but, yeah, I think Keandre Ayton's play has just been phenomenal. Uh, he had a stretch there late in the game where he just made, like, I think five or six plays that I was just like, man, this guy's doing everything right now. And it's just like the little things, too, just like tapping an offensive rebound to Mikhail after securing a couple uh, crucial rebounds and then going up with it strong. Um, His rebounding was amazing all night. They needed yeah. it. No, he stepped up for sure. And just the efficiency continued. Like his touch is insane. He's the first player in the shot clock era since uh, the 1954 55 season with a 70 plus percent uh, field goal in any 12 game postseason span. So uh, that's kind of insane. Um, just popped up <laughs> on my Twitter feed. So thanks, ESPN stats and info. Um, but yeah, I think it just says a lot about the Suns team, top to bottom. They're they're ready to fight and they have been all year. So this is no different. And you got to give credit to the Clippers too, because they, they really, every single time, man, the Suns like started to pull away. They just, they answered. They had a shot at every single moment of this game. It really was impressive. I mean, that Mikhail three that I talked about, well, the next time down, Paul George gets an open one on the left wing and responds right away. So um, they they were a worthy adversary for sure. I mean, I will throw in while we're on the topic of Aiton though, the alley oop that he had before the game winning that dunk was also ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, the the glass obviously his pick and roll defense. The Suns still did a good job making it so that he didn't have to be out on the perimeter. We'll talk about why the Clippers stayed so big. I don't necessarily understand it. Um. But he made them pay, and I guess you know made them play pay playing small in the first game. Made them pay playing small in this uh, playing big in this game. And uh, another quick note that went under the radar, but DeAndre Ayton got pulled from this game while the Clippers had the ball previously, and it was Cam Johnson, Crowder, Bridges, and uh, Payne and Booker on the floor for a defensive possession. And people were questioning that. That was the the shot when when PG made his pull up two, and it was like, oh, you know, was that a mistake? Whatever. He comes back in the game and then wins it. But uh, just another kind of sign of how crazy these things can be. The Jay Triano Tyson Chandler play busted out when no one actually I wouldn't say no one was expecting it. I think in that moment it's an obvious thing to try. I just didn't think that they would have the uh, the balls to actually do it. They did. They execute it, and you talk about crazy stats. The last one I have talking about this fourth quarter before we zoom out a little bit more is the, the StatMuse folks tweeted out post game that the Suns during this nine-game win streak have, have been down in the fourth quarter for a grand total of 30 seconds, um, which is pretty obscene uh, what is, for what the is opponent. What is that in uh, replay review time? <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah, it's like 
I don't, I don't even have words. Honestly, I was telling Gerald Bourget of Fansided that I was sitting up there with him while we were waiting for everybody to speak to us. And I was just like, I don't, I'm running out of, of ways to talk about this team. Um, but let's, let's zoom out and talk about a little bit more of what went well for the Suns on the other side of a quick break. First though, another word from Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made just for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with us, well, other fans, athletes, insiders, in real time about your favorite team or sport. We host shows here every single Friday afternoon, so you can finally get in on the Locked on Suns conversation that you listen to here every single day. But Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversation about the NBA, about the Suns, about anything you love. You can Get in on podcast recordings or just chats, as well as react to big news and rumors, games just like this one. So be sure to join us every single Friday afternoon on Green Room in the NBA channel. All you're going to do is go download the Spotify Green Room app, currently available on all iOS and Android devices. Create a profile, link your Twitter account, join the NBA group, and follow me at BrendanClean14 to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it, folks, every single Friday. Do not miss us this week. We'll be getting... Uh, I guess after game four, we'll be, we'll be, uh, three, we'll be following up into game four while the Suns are in Los Angeles. Can't wait to see you there. Green room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, we are back here. Wanted to, to get, do a little more. We were talking about eight and just before the break, Brandon, but we do have to talk about the lineup change that the Clippers made and they start Ivica Zubats. They start Patrick Beverly. One of those goes much better than the other. I think Beverly and the unexpected nature of him starting over Batum and Mann really, really paid off for Ty Lue. I think Zubats being in there, while I thought he would have to play a little more if Marcus Morris wasn't at 100%, he clearly is not. I don't think him playing 34 minutes and being out there in crunch time the way he was getting exposed in a lot of ways was necessarily a smart decision, but... Um, obviously close game, decided on the margins. What did you think of the lineup and the way that Aiton matched up with the Clippers center? Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting they chose to go that route, uh, mainly because it's not like when, when uh, he was on the court, Zubak, uh, Aiton was struggling or anything. <laughs> like He was still getting whatever he wanted for the most part. So yeah. I was a little surprised they stuck with him for as long as they did. Like The start didn't really shock me at all. I kind of you know, especially the Patrick Beverly move, that, that was pretty predictable. After last game, they just needed a injection of energy and uh, someone to pester Booker. And, you know, he did a good job of that, clearly. Uh, but, yeah, Zubak, I mean, I would have given Batum some more run, personally. Yeah, but, 16 like, minutes. That was, that was a little, yeah, that was kind of strange. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's they feel like they need the size to slow down DeAndre, and I don't really think that did much. Um I think his, they think his presence too will help with like a couple of times Booker or Payne couldn't finish over the top of him. So that could be the mindset. They're trying to just give him a different look because it felt too easy for, for Booker and Payne and those, those finishes and in both games, one and, and two for Payne. Uh, I mean, the way he yeah. finishes is insane. Just how quick he gets it off the glass. And uh, so I think they just wanted another big body, but it wouldn't shock me if in game three, they kind of, take the reins down a little bit and, uh, you know, limit his minutes and go back to the, the tomb lineup. 
Yeah, obviously looming over all of this is when and if Kawhi Leonard eventually makes an appearance. It's impossible to know. But until then, I just don't think that that much Zubats is the answer. I don't get why Batum played so little, like you said. Um, and honestly, we'll get to the other thing because that's the other guy I want to talk about his campaign. But just quickly, I do think like Beverly being able to go over screens and Zubats dropping that dynamic defending the pick and roll actually did work fairly well at times, especially the Beverly part. And then Zubats didn't have to do too much. He did get a key block late in the game that I frankly thought would be the deciding moment in the game. It did not end up being that because of the Suns out of bounds play, but um, a lot of just terrible like focus and, and mental focus from him to um, plays where he's just getting completely jumped over for rebounds plays where he had the lob from Morris early on that he just didn't even see coming. Um, he dropped the inbounds pass that ended up being the um, replay review that they called the jump ball. And then they gave the ball to the Clippers. Just a lot of moments where it was like on top of everything else fit wise, why, you know, is Zubats really ready for this moment? And I like, who am I to necessarily question that? But he just did make a ton of mistakes um, in this game. But you said for the rim protection, that's obviously part of the reason you have a guy like that in there. The problem is it did nothing to stop campaign who scored a career high 29 points, a um, nine assists. And as he made a point of, of getting us to notice post game, zero assists taking after his starting point guard, Chris Paul, the point guard with that sterling uh, donut in the turnover column. So th this is the campaign game. This is this is like the Fred Van Vliet in 2019. People are saying Lou Dort. Yeah, Lou Dort didn't get out of the first round. This is not Lou Dort. This is something else. Um, what did you make of this guy? This is sort of the crowning achievement of a playoff run that's just been ridiculous all season long. Yeah, I have a fun stat for you uh, with campaign. 69 and 23 is a record since they signed him in the bubble. Um <sighs> You know, I'm not a math major, but that's a pretty good winning percent just off the top of the head. So, yeah, I mean, he's been – I expected, like, a few breakout performances, but nothing like this. Like, he's he's just been pretty consistent throughout the playoffs, too, with a few, like, moments where he's taken over. But tonight was different. It was, like, throughout the game he was under control. And zero turnovers with how quick – and, like, sometimes it looks like he's out of control. Um but he always finds a way to either sneak it up, like up on the basket and uh, lay it in or just make a weird wraparound pass out of nowhere. It's just like – I saw a tweet earlier that was just like, he looks like a rubber band being flinged around the court. And <laughs> it's so, so accurate. But, yeah, the fact that he can go out there and play 37 minutes against uh, pesky Clippers defense and have nine assists, zero turnovers while scoring 29 points efficiently, like that's – that's unheard of for a backup point guard. And uh, he really picked up the slack for a, an off Devin Booker night. Yeah, to me, he's having the series, the impact, the the slot that we, I think a lot of Suns fans, maybe we just hoped it would happen because it's the breakout we've been waiting for for so long. But I think it's what we all thought Mikhail Bridges would be doing, right? I mean, not, not the, you know, nine assists or playing point guard or anything, any of that, but like, I think Mike Prada, who I had on the show actually kind of previewing the playoffs before we knew the seating and everything, had tweeted tonight, like, the Suns' kind of main weakness, if they had one heading into the postseason, was do they have enough 
juice on the perimeter in terms of shot creation. Like in a late game situation, over the course of 48 minutes of a playoff situation, are you going to have uh, enough guys who can create their own shot from the perimeter? And I think a lot of Suns fans looked at that and they were like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's going to be Bridges or it's going to be you know, some combination of just the ball movement slash you know, different guys between Bridges and, and Cam Johnson stepping up, whatever. I think we all had our own opinion. But without fail, almost every single night, campaign has just slid into that role and has just honestly seemed to get better over the course of the playoffs. I know he had a really good series against the Lakers. Um, but this, again, just kind of putting it all together tonight to do it without Paul. But like you said as well doing it without a very good game from Booker as a scorer and with Crowder and Bridges going one of eight from three and combining for seven points this was an ugly game and seemingly the only guy who could consistently create a great shot for himself on either team in a in a game that had Paul, Devin Booker and Paul George in it was campaign so you, even um, crazier you know, again okay just go for it build off what you're saying right now because I feel like it fits in uh in the Denver series, four games, obviously didn't play too much. 28 total points tonight, 29. So, I mean, he was great in the Lakers series. Obviously, he stepped up and they yeah. need him too. But, uh, man, this is definitely the campaign game, as you said. It will be, right? I mean, that's how we're going to remember this game um, is, is him stepping up, wearing the upside-down Los Angeles hat, <laughs> the upside-down Dodgers logo hats. Um, I've just the confidence that that guy plays with. I actually agree with you. Like he does seem a little out of control early on in both of these games. There have been moments where I'm like, you know, let's take a beat here. Like don't, you know, don't get yourself a technical foul. Don't turn the ball over. Don't give the other team momentum. And he, he was more poised in this game. He didn't have the tech. He didn't have the frustration fouls or any of that. And obviously the nine assists to zero turnover shows he was in control, but, um, They've just had, it seems like everybody's had a night in this postseason, and, and tonight it was pain. Yeah, definitely. And even uh, in game one, even with some of the stuff he was doing, it's like he still had nine assists and one turnover. So one, yeah. one turnover in two games with 18 assists is insane <laughs> uh, for someone that plays as risky as he does. Like, it's just, it doesn't happen very often so and who's so inexperienced like he has no reps he's doing this having never seen much of what he's going up against at least on the floor and somehow it's like it's insane he's an old pro yeah it's he just has no fear i mean it's been like this since the bubble he was getting this chance and he's going to run with it and now suns fans are starting to go worried about free agency and what his price tag might be which is it's a good thing. It's a great problem to have. Uh, yeah, they, exactly. they have the bird rights, as Bobby Marks pointed out earlier tonight. So that definitely helps. But uh, it's a great problem to have when you're talking about, you know, how are we going to retain both of our point guards long term? Yeah, exactly. If you have somebody step up so much that their contract starts to become a conversation, I think that's in the in most cases pretty excellent thing. Um, Yeah, this is the campaign game. It it was the DeAndre Ayton show to close. Obviously, he's been excellent, but Payne is the guy who, without him, I just don't think the Suns have enough offense at all. Um, I did want to shout out Dario and Cam Johnson, who off the bench played really, really well, kept the Suns afloat. The Clippers bench 
didn't do much, but um, especially giving Crowder and Bridges, who didn't play a ton of minutes, some opportunities to come off the floor and Clippers seeing some different looks and everything else, especially matching the wing depth. So uh, shout out to them. We'll take another quick break, though, first, and then we will get into the Chris Paul news and maybe some more thoughts generally on this team. But first, a quick word from Bill Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Um, my favorite, everybody who has tried a Bilt Bar has a favorite. Mine is the double chocolate. I would love to know what yours is. If you want to let me know at locked on PHX Suns, or just go ahead and order an extra box. That's really the easiest way to let us know you love them. They are high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, the perfect snack, the perfect pre or post workout pickup. And best of all, you know, you're putting good things into your body. They are keto friendly. They are Atkins friendly. If that's still a diet people do, I don't know, but you don't have to worry. It is Um, basically as clean as can be as little sugar as I've really ever seen in one of these and um, fits for any occasion, not too heavy. Go to BuiltBar.com, try yours, try your favorite again, order the favorite again, or try something different. There's never a bad time to mix it up. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your first order again, promo code LOCK15 at checkout for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action from the MLB in full swing these days, NBA and NHL playoffs, and fights every single weekend. Maybe you're uh, monitoring Triller or Fight TV, or maybe you're more of the legit fighting, but there is plenty to go around. Wimbledon is coming up. I know um, tennis can be fun because it feels so like you're in on the action when you bet on it because that sport is so emotional. That's just an assortment, though. They have a ton of stuff, and you can check all of it out from news, sign-up bonuses, to contest info, and up-to-date odds, of course, by heading to the website or on their mobile app. And when you get there, you're going to make an account, and when you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Again, that's betonline.ag or their mobile app. Make an account, put your first deposit in, and use the promo code Locked On when you do to get a 50% Welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's close out the show, Brandon, with news from Dave McMenamin and Adrian Wojnarowski that Chris Paul could potentially return for Game 3. Um, it feels like icing on the cake at this point after such a big win, after two such big wins. I know that the narrative from the national media, because we want this to be a competitive series, will be, oh, you know, the Clippers tend to... almost prefer this right they just did it twice coming back down from 2-0 but I just look at this team and the way that they've played in the first two games and the idea of adding Chris Paul to that I just am am struggling to understand barring a Kawhi Leonard return how the result flips toward LA yeah I you know LA can say they're comfortable with this all they want but this is a different situation than what they've been facing in the past because like you said, Chris Paul is about to walk through those doors for the next game. So um, this is a depleted version of the Suns that got, you know, their two wins on the their home court. So they're taking care of home court advantage. And now you go to L.A., all you got to do is split there and, you know, you come back to Phoenix and close it out in five. And that, that was my prediction from the start. Um, and, you know, I, I, obviously you don't want to rule out the Clippers because they have – come back from so much adversity and even in this game alone they kind of showed that in in spurts by fighting back throughout the game but um yeah i think 
Chris Paul obviously is going to make a, a major difference. And if he's back for game three, it's just going to be it's just going to feel like a luxury because uh, this guard. <laughs> Imagine play, that. Yeah. This, this guard play is just, uh, you know, 37 minutes and 41 uh, for Payne and Booker each. So, you know, giving those guys a, a normal rest or rotation will be nice, especially when you're going up against such a, you know, a pesty team like this. So. Um, yeah, I think the Clippers can say they're comfortable all they want. They have to. It has to be their mentality. It's the Western Conference Finals. They're not going to sit there and say, we're scared. But, uh, yeah, as soon as Chris Ball comes back, this this series changes dramatically. And, um, yeah, I think it's the whole 0-2 narrative could end up turning out how LeBron's game one is a field game narrative kind of <laughs> turned out. Yeah, or any of the people who picked the Nuggets – yeah, takes, turned out <laughs> that did not go well. And I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I just I feel like. I still think the Clippers will be competitive. I mean, going into the series before we knew what was going to go on with Chris Paul and or yeah, with with him or Kawhi Leonard, I guess, too. I felt pretty much like these teams could could play pretty evenly no matter you know what and then both losing one star it's like okay well you know you're both hampered but you add Chris Paul to the mix and I just think you know we were talking about Zubats and how he doesn't seem to fit in right now Chris Paul's gonna dissect him just like we saw him do to any number of players Andre Drummond um, obviously Nikola Jokic who also was dropping that's just not gonna cut it and the Clippers are running low as well besides Leonard they obviously don't have Ibaka they don't have Morris playing at 100% nobody seems to be uh, up to the task necessarily on that perimeter right now guarding the guards that are already in there for the Suns so I do think it it changes a lot especially on the offensive end I don't think Paul really is needed defensively I just think most of the Clippers offense right now is Paul George and threes and Reggie Jackson, um, who I think Mikael Bridges is doing a pretty good job on in, in a lot of spots. So it's mostly the offense. It's mostly just having the leadership back. Like you said, having the rotation go back to normal. But um, I think that just takes us to the note. And I did want to remind everybody our road to the finals coverage of the NBA playoffs is brought to you by McLobe Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I did actually want to spend a minute before we get off here talking about the 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 destiny feel for this team. And you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, there's there's six wins to go, potentially as many as 12 games to go. But um it's just kind of crazy, and I do kind of feel like you have to stop and just like let it sink in, especially on a night like this where the Suns win a game when they inbound the ball with less than one second left on the clock and go up 2-0 in their first Western Conference Finals in 11 years and and one of you know the first opportunities they've ever, the only opportunities they've ever had to go to the finals. Um, again, not to just like jump the gun on anything, but it just is sort of crazy. It's so much further than I ever thought this season would go in my wildest dreams when training camp started. I, I, I don't know how you feel, but this has just been almost like house money since like game five against the Lakers. I, I haven't known, known anything to say, I feel like, since then. It's unreal. I mean, ever since the bubble, honestly, just the, this team has had this magical feel to it, and it's just carried over, and like all these storylines, you know, 
the Chris Paul injury coming back out to a standing ovation. Um, you know, true. I heard you forgot about that. Yeah. Just so many things where it seemed like, you know, it really did feel like there was a moment in that Lakers series where this team could be done. Like old Suns teams would have like folded or something would have happened. Oh yeah. Second half of game three, I was like, all right, where am I going on vacation? (laughs) Yeah. I really was down on it. I was like, this is over. Yeah. But this, this team is just different, man. Like tonight, especially I've been a Suns fan my entire life. This is not a game. The Suns win like ever. This is like the game that, you know, we end up losing by one point and we find, you know, these little storylines just to make ourselves feel better and just, oh, you know, they didn't have Chris Paul. They'll be fine. They'll bounce back. But, you know, they pull it out and they did it in traumatic fashion and like through all the adversity with stoppages and Devin Booker's bloody nose, like recreating the Steve Nash moment. Like that's just like you can't make this stuff up. Just the stuff that's happening. It's just it feels like it's falling in place. And um, tonight's win kind of sells that point to me to where it's like, this is not a normal Suns team because a normal Suns team loses this game. So, uh, exactly. I mean, like you think the other teams, obviously we've talked about it already. I think even when you've been on the other kind of wild card title teams that have come up, you know, the Raptors from a couple of years ago, the Mavs, we know them all. And the the Pistons, I guess, in 2004, teams like that. This this Suns team, I think, would be kind of classified that way. This feels like the Kawhi six bounce game winner moment for this team. Yeah, and how fitting yeah. would it be for? Uh, I know Booker's favorite player growing up was Rip Hamilton, so if he can rock and mask and go full <laughs> Rip Hamilton mode in, in Game Three and possibly Game Four, then that'd be awesome. Because his nose is beat up, man. That thing looked brutal. Yeah. He looked like, uh, like you know those pictures that go viral sometimes of like the dogs who get stung by a bee and their like <laughs> face blows up? That's what he looked like to me. Uh, we didn't even talk about any of that. Patrick Beverly is a genuinely um, dirty player who I think had no issue hurting Devin Booker in that moment. I think they did actually a really good job of not letting Beverly's chaos get to them. Like even Booker, you know, would just kind of in this case, literally take it on the chin and move on. And that was good. I mean, again, you know, that's coming from Beverly or from, uh, from Paul and from Crowder and, and just their mentality that they've had ever since the bubble, like you mentioned. Um, but just to, to kind of survive that too, the, the, the chaos factor that Beverly brings, um, we'll see if he's in the mask. I, I think he, his quote was, he doesn't want to have to be in it. Um, but we'll see what ends up happening. Um, I think he, he took a, he, he screened Ivica Zubats without, uh, without the mask and yeah. made the, made amazing, the elbow jumper without the mask. Amazing screen. Also shout out to Crowder for that pass. That was right on target. I mean, Jay is like a, that's the one thing that stood out throughout the year to me is just how good it, of a passer he is. And that's Monty said it from the beginning of training camp. He's like, yeah. we think we can unlock a little more with that stuff. And yeah, who, who would have thought he'd be the inbounder on a, on a game-winning play it's yeah yeah we need some some point j minutes (laughs) it's surprising that it you know it wasn't in retrospect just thinking about it now i'm like why wouldn't booker and and crowder be switched but you obviously want to have booker in there as the decoy you know the the action you'd think it's going to go toward him and then he sets the screen exactly Um, he said he had never set a screen for a game winner in his life so yeah a, a lot of a lot of optimism abounds here and uh, we probably could go all night just reveling in all of it. But there is more to come. We will be back. Um, I'll be back tomorrow on Thursday with you guys. 
getting you ready for game three. I will have a Suns guest since I had a Clippers guest earlier in the week. So um, be looking out for that and uh, maybe do a double chug for this one, folks. It's uh, it's starting to feel more real. I don't know about everybody else, but um, but that was fun. Thanks for joining me, Brandon, on late notice and and late at night. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't I couldn't sleep after this game if I wanted to. So always down. And one, one last quick shout out, Cam Johnson, very underrated game. I think, uh, you know, he deserves at least a mention, uh, five of five. He, he played his role. Perfect. Made some little plays that I think made a difference. So shout out Cam Johnson. Great way to end it. Two time locked on sun's guest, getting a shout out to close things out. Enjoy your Wednesday folks. Enjoy this win. And we'll be back tomorrow.